Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before this episode of the Final Word Podcast, another quick update from our friends at Brick Lane Brewing. We are grateful for Brick Lane's support through the weekly episode, Storytime. Did you hear Daniel Norcross's wild 904 triumph? Are you kidding me? Start with Storytime 59 and then follow it up with Storytime 60. Totally worth it. And also the daily episodes. Adam and Jeff have been super busy. You can find all of those, the daily episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can watch them on the Final Word Cricket Podcast YouTube channel. There are currently 23,000 subscribers. We'd love to get that to 25,000. So if you are not a subscriber to the Final Word Cricket podcast YouTube channel, please stop by, check it out, and if you like it, subscribe, and then you'll never miss a video. In cricket, there are great partnerships. Podcasting is no different. It's the partnership between the show, Adam and Jeff, the sponsor, Brick Lane Brewing, and you, the listener. I'd use your name, but I don't know who you are, but thank you. In addition to subscribing to the YouTube channel, please check out Brick Lane Brewing on Instagram and Facebook. Say hello and tell them the final word sent you. You can order all your Brick Lane favorites at bricklanebrewing.com. It's a super easy way to get your hands on all of the various brews. Brick Lane Brewing, based and brewed in Melbourne, Australia. Great city, great beer. Thank you, Brick Lane Brewing, for being part of the final word. And as always, thank you for listening. That's enough from me. Now, Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon, and the final word. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. It's the Final Word Cricket Podcast, Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon recording together Series 11, Episode 12. It's the 11th of January. It's about as midsummer as you can get. We're sat outside. You're wearing a bluey singlet. I'm wearing a flannelette shirt. You're wearing... Are they shorts? I guess they're shorts. Are they just boxer shorts? They're probably shorts. If you're watching on YouTube, you can make your own decision. Um, I'm still wearing black jeans and black shoes. Call that a a, 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 a packing mishap. Um, Yes, I'm looking very Melbourne, given we are in. Melbourne. Black canvas shoes, black jeans, red and black flannel. Flannel can't can't get can't go wrong with that. that. But we are here together. This might actually be the last time we record the weekly show together before I go back to London after the Hobart test. We'll see. Time will tell. Mm. We have got plenty to get through on the show today. Of course, there's one more test to go in the Ashes series. New Zealand have uh, been playing Bangladesh in a series that's had a lot of interest, as has been the series in South Africa between the Proteas and India. The Women's Ashes starts next week. We've got. Uh, Stuff to share about Woodstock, about Brick Lane, about Nerd Pledge, about the Big Bash League. There's loads going on, mm-hmm. and it's lovely to be sat here recording with you at a place that I've seen through the camera screen about a hundred times through the uh, English summer. I kind of thought it might be like a small balcony setup. You've got quite, quite a nice little backyard here. Yes, we've got, got a sizable yard, got a bunch of couches, got some astroturf, needs to have some astroturf. That's compulsory uh, Melbourne <laughs> activity. Got the outside beer fridge for the brick lanes uh, everything everything that you need lots of plants lots of sunshine glorious day in melbourne and uh we we had something that we enjoyed which was a glorious last day draw nothing that tragics of the game like us more uh, like us like more than a last day last ball 
Not all four results on the line, but still two results on the line coming down to the very last delivery of the Test match. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, sometimes you can get to the final half an hour or hour and there's two results and it's drifting. This didn't drift. It was, um, as we described on the Daily Show, it was a, a wonderful finish and um, has received a lot of plaudits accordingly. Some people get a bit upset when you talk about, um, oh, what a great finish. They'll go, yeah, but Australia, that's the third time they haven't bowled out a team at home in the fourth innings. I'm like, yeah, that's true, but... I don't really care if Australia won or otherwise. I, mm. I, I like the fact that it was a competitive test match that went down to the wire, and there is yep. a beauty in a team that's outmatched, and England have been outmatched, mm. doing enough to hold on. I remember Jason Holder's team came here in 15-16, and the Sydney test match was mo- more or less washed out. Steve Smith, new captain, put the holder uh, before the morning of day five. Let's both declare an innings and set up a chase, a la Hansi Cronje and the and mm. the, and the, the leather jacket, jacket, but without the leather jacket and without mm. Hansi Cronje, a more right. sort of county cricket style. Let's both declare an innings and set up a chase. And Jason Holder at the time said, no, my team need to learn how to draw before we can start winning. Mm-hmm. And I feel kind of the same about England right now. They've got this rebuild going on. They're going to the Caribbean and then they've got New Zealand at home, South Africa at home, one test against India at home. They're not going to be winning many test matches in the, in the, in the short term. They might do okay at home, but... I mean, the, the truth is they're a team that's in crisis, maybe on the way to transition, and they need to find a way to learn how to not lose first, and they did that the other day. So, and, and Equally, had Steve Smith taken a wicket off the last ball, it would also have been a great finish. Exactly. You know? yeah, so exactly. all of those things can be true. The result was the result, whatever it was, but having a live game all the way down to the end like that is, is exciting, and that's why we enjoy, you know, when you've invested all of that time into it, and then, then it delivers. That's the payoff. Yeah, and I'm kind of fired up again about the series. It's a shame that it's 3-0 going to Hobart and it's finishing uh, this week because I've, I've had my enthusiasm for this series. I probably, if I'm honest... It should be a nine-test series, yeah. frankly. I well, think, it should be seven. I think they should expand it. Well, we did joke and say it should be seven, like 1970-71, but they didn't listen to us. No, this is like uh, death in the Bill and Ted movie, you know, when he's like, oh, best of three, and then he loses it, Twister and, and Monopoly, and then he's like, best of five, and best of seven. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, yeah... Yeah, if I'm honest, I I had lost a bit of energy after the Melbourne test because Mm. I thought, well, they're going to lose 5-0. You know, we're off to Sydney where it's COVID central and we're all going to come back with coronavirus and Mm. it's going to be over in three days and we're going to have a terrible time. In the end, we both came back without coronavirus and it was a good test match. So we're we're on the way to Hobart on the 13th, the day before that test. Uh, We're going to win (laughs) 5-0. It was one of the few moments of uh, humour from the, you know, I'll be frank. Here sometimes the um, the English crowd support I find less than inventive and, and and not particularly exciting. But during the went to 2013 when they played two series back to back, yes, um, and England won the first two Test matches over there, and the chant for those first two games was all we're going to win 10-0 we're going to win 10-0 and then in the third test when they finally called it off as a draw on the last day like as soon as the announcement went up they all went we're going to win 9-0 <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a little more inventive yeah I think the Barmy Army I like parts of the Barmy Army shtick mm. and you know I, I certainly enjoyed what they used to do when they'd come out to Australia in huge numbers it doesn't quite doesn't quite land when it's expats mm. singing football's coming home and sort mm. of I mean they were doing the um, cry on the telly you're going to cry on the telly and I'm thinking to myself that's a holy stand chant from 2019 that mm. no one that was at that test at Sydney would have been there for they've seen that on the telly and mm. they're trying to do a, a dodgy yeah. sort of knockoff tribute band yeah. version of the holy stand yeah. not, not cover, for me cover band version of Ashes yeah, Legend that's right a cover band version of yeah. something that was 
a little bit funny in 2019 for a quarter of an hour and um, continued through the series anyway. For those who do come out and travel with the England team, uh, respect to that, but I don't think that's quite what we've got right now. It's just kind of expat football fans and students, mm. seemingly. Based when I had the binoculars out, it seems like, you know, that's the clientele. Anyway, enough Barmy Army bashing. Uh, it doesn't look like Scott Bowen's going to play mm. uh, in Hobart. He well, had didn't a, look like he was going to play in Melbourne either. True, <laughs> true. The difference being now he's got um, rib cartilage injury. Right. Was it rib separation or something like that? Ew. And they had to jab him up a Isn't number of times. Had? <laughs> yeah. No, he got a couple of ribs taken out. Um, <laughs> separation. <laughs> Separated himself from yes, his ribs. Yes, well, I always found it interesting that he's only five foot three and got a couple of ribs taken yeah. out. Yeah, it's, anyway. it's a difficult process. Yeah, well, allegedly for some, for some more than others. Um, started well. Um, the the uh, there are reasons people take up yoga in their middle age. <laughs> I'm just saying that. Um, I do wonder that when I'm in yoga sometimes, and I watch the very flexible yoga, like male yogis, and watch them. I can't remember what the pose is called, but when your legs are splayed and you can put your head in your crutch pretty much and, you know, I get to about, you know, I barely get beyond the parallel with my neck and, and they're going down for the auto for late pose. I'm like, blimey, you know, is, is that what's going on here? Some quiet nights in. Is that what's going on here? Um, great to bring up auto fellatio within five minutes of hitting go on the tape for those See, who are I new to the final word. suck off a car. <laughs> The exhaust. Um, I'm exhausted. <laughs> right. Regroup. Scott Boland had lots of jabs to get through the mm-hmm. test uh, in the second innings right. after that um, elbow went into the ribs and he hit the deck at full force. So, Novak Djokovic, on the other hand, didn't have any. True. Had none and got through as well um, for, you know, what is it, 20 grand slams and one victory over the federal court. Uh, another <laughs> major win uh, for Novak Djokovic. Did you, see the, did you see the protesters last night in Melbourne? How they yes. thought the car driving out was him? What I didn't get was they thought the car driving out was him and so they started jumping on it and punching it and they were his supporters I, mean, I think that says all you need to know about the level of intellect that's going yeah. on in that you know there was like some blokes out there with the Greek flag waving it I'm yep. like I think you've got the wrong country no, no. Marcos Bagdadis yeah Marcos Bagdadis not playing yeah. this year yeah, a bit further you know keep going up yeah, the, I, know, I know Europe's small, but you're in the wrong spot. Yeah, I, I always enjoyed that tradition at the first day of the Australian Open where they would kind of refight the Balkans war with plastic chairs, heaving them at each other, yeah. and, and the tear gas would eventually come out. Yeah. Maybe all that's gone on Ever with since Novak. since the Melbourne Knights got rolled up. You know, there hasn't yes. been enough opportunity <laughs> for, uh, for Balkan war conflict. Yeah, I used to go and watch the Melbourne Knights as a kid when they went from Melbourne, Croatia to the Melbourne Knights. I went to Summer Street a couple of times in, in the Viduka era, mm. having grown up in, in, uh, in the southeast of Melbourne. I feel quite well-versed. In, mm. in the conflict, but um, I didn't quite understand what was going on last night. That was crazy times, but yeah. um, good to I've see got, us. I've got a friend who's, you know, contemporaneously, who's, who's Serbian, who ended up marrying a, a, a Croatian, and it was... It was really a thing. It was like yeah, a modern-day yeah. Romeo and Juliet. It was there was trouble. <laughs> there were problems. There were thankfully they didn't wind up the same way. But you know they're, they're they're happily married. But it took a lot of work between the families to to bring them together. It's, if it's we hard. get much deeper into this, I'm going to start swearing in Croatian. I'm going to get yeah, us in trouble. Let's right. move on from that. Oh, can, can I? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you would have heard the same. Like, but I ran into Simon Kadic at the Sydney Test, and I said, mm. I said, how'd you go? Everyone else has got COVID, and you didn't. And he goes, COVID can't survive in 40 degree <laughs> Croatian blood. <laughs> He was telling us a story. He was telling us a story the other day, Kat, about the uh, about the 2001 trip to Wimbledon, yep. the final where they wore oh, the baggy yeah. greens. And, and Shane won, and, and, wore, uh, wore the Oakley cap. And Kat goes on to tell us that yeah, but the thing I didn't tell anyone then until the end of the day, I was Barak and Vrivenisovic being Croatian. <laughs> 
Or in the baggy green goes, Don't you good thing he's always my favourite player. What but a, yes, the fiery a... crow. I mean, is there a bigger divergence between Cat's very fiery personality on the field, you know, as he says himself, that Croatian, uh, thick Croatian blood, compared to the mild mannered, lovely man that he is yeah. behind the microphone? Absolutely. I mean, he can land a punch when he needs to, but, you know, as mm. we know, he's a, a fabulous fella. What a final that was as well, Ivan Isovic. Oh. Wild card. Five sets. Oh, nine seven in the nine out. seven in the fifth. Oh. Went over two days, finishing it on the Monday. Yep. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, I was gutted at the time, but I realise now that Pat Rafter hasn't paid tax here for like twenty years. So yeah. Australian of the Year resident of Bermuda <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> Our Pat. Sorry, mate. I always think there should be. I always think there should be like you know when you look for the gifts on Twitter, uh-huh. and you want to say sorry, mate. There should be one of Pat Rafter. Sorry, mate. Yeah. I, I use that quite a bit. Yeah. When when you've like fired back a bit too saltily at someone, yes. and you misinterpreted what they were saying, and they're like, sorry, hey. mate. And you're like. <laughs> so, uh, Scott Poland not playing, probably. Mm. Well, he might play, but but he may not. My understanding is that Stokes wants to play. <laughs> of course he wants really? to play. Bairstow wants to play, more likely to play out of the two of them. Okay. Uh, Joss has gone home. Billings yep. probably playing. Uh, We're definitely playing if Joss isn't there. Well, but the Pope. Uh, the Pope triangulation, uh, they might have found a way to play Pope. But it sounds like right. Billings is playing. Billings did media yesterday. And it's really interesting to hear him talk about the conversation he had with Ashley Giles, the director of England cricket. He gets called up to the test squad, you know, for the third time this year, but the chance to seriously make his test debut, test test debut, debut, or de- debut, I should say. I've been having a, a lot of arguments with people about this. There are always English people who get very superior about the Australian pronunciation. Guess what the French pronunciation is? Is it debut? It's debut. Debut? Debut. It's not debut. Yeah, it's well, debut. let's just go with debut, our, our childhood pronunciation. So he was in the squad for the New Zealand series. He was in the squad when uh, when Joss took parental leave last mm. year against India. But he actually said to Ashley Giles, I'm only doing it if you kind of promise, if you swear in blood, that it's not going to affect my white ball prospects. Because remember, he was going to play in the Caribbean. Mm. It's a World Cup year. Mm. He missed the 2019 World Cup through injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was there in, um, mm. he was there in the UAE this year but and played towards the pointy end of the tournament but wasn't in the first choice team and you know this will be a point that'll be discussed so a this fair sets bit. him back because he can't be in the Caribbean to start the series that's yeah he's going to he's going to miss the white ball series instead. that starts the day after right. the final test match so he's basically saying if you're going to make me go to Hobart and run drinks and it means that I get pushed out of the white ball team I don't want to do it exactly and yeah. I think he was willing to run drinks and wear the bib again but yeah, it's like but don't don't let me get Only pushed if. in front of if yeah. that's what happens. So, yeah. um, but I do think he will get an opportunity. And yeah, I've, I've actually forgot this, but he made a wonderful hundred against Australia at Manchester in the one days mm. uh, in 2020. 118 not out, a match-winning effort, and that was against Cummins, Stark. Hazelwood. It wasn't like a, a mm. white ball attack that Australia were taking over for a Mickey Mouse thing. It was the only serious cricket that Australia played in 2020 in that winter. Yep. So they took their test attack and Billings excelled against them. So, yeah, he's been threatening to be a high-class international cricketer for about three years now. Mm. Maybe this will be the chance. And, like, I guess... He gets extra credit because he's someone who we all talk to and he's interesting and he's a great conversationalist and, you know... He, he comes he gets, from the right kind of family, Adam. Well, well yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I think that it probably doesn't hurt the fact that he, he knows his way around the media and so mm-hmm. on, so that at times like this we kind of want him to do well. But we'll see whether he gets the nod. It feels like he well, probably will. He's being talked up as the smoky for Test Captain if Root. If Root chucks it in, which he won't because he's Root and he's he's got a... Well, it's a, a I really good, really good story from Nick Holt in The Telegraph yeah. overnight saying that um, Root's not going to be asked to give up the captaincy. So no, he, won't, he, he would never be asked to give it up. It's only if he chose to give it up. And I think after Melbourne, he was probably thinking, 
maybe I don't want to do this anymore, but I genuinely think he'll get to the end of the series, he'll take a week, he'll take a deep breath, and he'll say, there is no one else to do it, I've got to keep going. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's Hulte's yarn, effectively. That yeah. They've realised that he remains the best bet to start. I mentioned the rebuild before. Mm. I mean, they go to the West Indies and they have seven test matches in England and they don't want to throw someone to the Wolves when they're mm. at their lowest ebb. It might be that he does like one more year. Yeah. And then when they've sort of recovered a little bit, then he can, if it, someone steps they up... They need then, a serious candidate. And, yeah, and, they do. And Billings was the only vaguely credible sort of person floated as a smokey, as someone who's got lots of captaincy experience, yeah, that yeah. maybe he could come in and, and do that job. But, you know, it's a big ask to come into the team to start your career and also, you know, the legion of, of England, <laughs> um, Sam Billings. Well, I think it's too big an ask, really. Yeah. Um, I, I put this to Athers in our broadcast and he's like, no, no, like, Believe me, yeah. that's not fair. It would only you happen can't ask if Root quits. If Root just yeah. was like, no, nah, I can't do well, it. Well, his perspective was it's just not reasonable to yeah. ask a guy, who, you know, it, he, the way he articulated it far better than I will is that you can't properly appreciate just how hard test cricket is until you're playing it and you need to know what that experience is like before you're asked to lead a team. So it might be that Billings could play this week and all the way through the English summer, have, let's say, nine or ten caps under his belt, Root resigns and then they go to Billings. That's, I think, more conceivable than the than the pulling the ripcord at this particular point mm-hmm. um, because there's no Boland or maybe no Boland and according to Andrew Wu in the paper today Jumping Jai still got a niggle from Hobart uh, from Adelaide rather so um, whatever was going on in his car if, you, if, you, if he's out for a month it's yeah. not a niggle yeah well that's you know? it whatever had gone on in his car at Adelaide is potentially enough to keep him out of this test match so it could okay. be Nisa back in all mm-hmm. probability he's the last player in the squad with Stark to play <laughs> five in a row which wasn't the plan and Cummins to play five in a row, which I suppose was the plan. So, yeah. and then and then line to round out looks, the attack. Looked like he was tailing off to, towards the end of Sydney. He, he started yeah. to look tired. So and, the option they would have in that scenario is to play Schwepson, which I wouldn't be against. But I don't think I'll do. In a day I don't think it matters. Honestly, yeah. I just think we're at that point now where you know Cameron Green or Balfour's changing that scenario, and you get some overs into this kid who actually isn't a kid anymore. Schwepson's mm. now twenty six, and you get his cap presented and you get it dealt with before he goes to Pakistan. They, they won't do that, by the way. They're not going to leave out the, the best pink ball bowler in the history of Test cricket. No. Even if he is tailing off, they'll think he's still equally, good to go and push through. That's why they should have arrested him in Sydney. I, I couldn't agree I, more. I, I do not understand that. Like, give him give him a break. He's played three in a row. He's led the attack. He's played really well. Player of the series and, to that point. And sure, he would say that he doesn't want to rest and he wants to play all five, but he, he is a less effective bowler if he plays all five. And you know, when you got Steve Smith bowling the last over of the match, would have been handy to have a specialist leg spinner, wouldn't it? Well, the, the numbers bear that out as well. Stark averages oh, 23 in the first test of a series and 54 in the fifth, mm-hmm. and they, they get progressively worse. And again, that's no... The way I explained this on, on when I was asked about it a couple of days ago was that Stark's got a very athletic action. He bowls at 150 clicks much of the yeah. day, and it's very taxing on his body. You can't expect someone who does that to turn up and it's not it's not even a five test series in the normal sense where you might get ten days off between one of the games exactly. to rest up. It's three, four, five, six day breaks between and just straight on to the next one. Well, this was the argument for him playing at Sydney was that they got an eight day break and he barely bowled in the second dig. So the argument was that well, it's actually yeah. more like the extended break he would get in the he middle of a really series. Play the third test, well, basically. he didn't he didn't bowl loads and loads in the yeah. second dig, so they were able to kind of manipulate it a little bit. But I thought that was just a, just a little bit too cute, and they they could have got that 
Swepson thing dealt mm. with in Sydney and it, and it might have paid off. But anyway, it, it's uh, uh, bygones on, on that front. Last point I wanted to talk about in our extended intro about the Ashes was that Manus Labashane is tweeting. Is he? He's really tweeting. On the tweets. On the tweets. On the toot. Um, is, he, is he in the replies or is he doing yeah. his own content? I don't know. He's <laughs> in the replies. He's, he's in the tweets big time. So okay. much so that he ran, me an, he ran an AMA yesterday wow. for like an hour. The Australian Medical Association. He ran, he ran the Australian <laughs> Medical Association. You, you, as Brendan Nelson did, you can go from the AMA to yeah. the Federal Parliament. Dr. Karen Goldsworthy <laughs> stepped aside. And Karen Phelps. <laughs> you Karen know, Phelps, Karen, uh, well, I don't think she runs the AMA these days. No, no, but, uh, but, but she's she she the for, only AMA president. Yes. She's great. Yeah, she was very high profile when she did it. Yeah. Who's Karen Goldsworthy then? Is she an MP? I don't know Karen Goldsworthy. That's somewhere deep, deep okay. in your subconscious somewhere. Right. If, if you can't bring it up after saying no. it, it's probably a musician from the nineties or something mm. like that. Sounds like a cellist. Maybe. Um, the yeah, but the the oh, I've just thought this was quite interesting. So he tweeted when he received the McGillray Medal, mm. and maybe once before that. But it's been like years since he's been that involved on, on that platform. And now he's, yeah, as I say, he's in the replies. He did an AMA. He put up two tweets in quick succession after the loss, after the loss, after the draw at Sydney. Mm-hmm. It's already in there. Felt like Australia had lost, but um, but they absolutely did not. The first of Karen which was... Goldsworthy is a writer and academic. Okay, Sorry, Karen. There you go. There you go. Uh, the first of which was, um, oh, you know, nine men around the bat, last session, day five, Hagwood's Test Cricket. And the second one, a few hours later, was just like, I love cricket or something like that. I just love cricket. I just love cricket. Mm -hmm. The thought did cross my mind. Cynical as it might well be. Dreadlock holiday. (laughs) 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 The thought did cross my mind. on vocals. (laughs) DJ Bravo's made a connect for him. (laughs) That that, that maybe he was advised to get a bit involved in social media. Uh You know, I reckon for a bloke who's the number one batsman in the world, according to the ICC rankings, mm-hmm. hasn't quite a great rep. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you know, he's a bit of a figure of derision, especially in the field. Mm-hmm. And we've been part of that. I mean, I think I said the other night he should never captain any team ever. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I feel. But maybe it's a bit of brand rehabilitation, showing he's not just some cricket robot that he's got a bit of spunk about him which I'm sure he does by the way we just haven't been given much of a view of that because all we see of his personality is him standing at silly point or short leg or or, or at extra cover yelling being a bit constantly. of a menace just, and not constantly in a, ah, yeah not in like, an aggressive not yeah not in a mean way not in no. an aggressive way not in a you know um, a barking dogs way from South Africa 2014 no. but in kind of a juvenile way yep. and thus I reckon that this might be an exercise in Hey, let's just show the world that you are a grown up and, mm-hmm. and play play along with a few of the guys on Twitter who are who are not being very nice. Or at I least, ponder. At least, yes, to at least show some personality beyond appealing for balls that have missed the bat by about nine inches. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's there is a degree of not so great. Like that's all you see. All you see is the on field stuff, and and if if it's all just big appeals for nothing, then you're like just 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 shush, all right? Just just sit down. Stop yelling all the time. Stop making everyone look at you. Yeah. Stop, it's just if you don't want to take a run, just don't take a run. You don't need to no run every ball. You yeah. Know? Just, and just uh, ease it back. Uh, uh, yeah. It's as though he is he is trying to mimic Steve Smith, and now he's overtaken Steve Smith with mm-hmm. some of that stuff. And that's right. just. I mean, I don't know. He's a fabulous cricketer. Hard to criticise a guy who's making runs like he's been making at home since 2019. He's still probably leading the series for runs at the moment, I'd imagine, or near enough to it. So I don't want to get too carried away. But that did, that did strike me as curious in okay. terms of the timing. Um, last thing uh, before we go to Hobart is that it's meant to rain before the test, 
but the, the word on the street is a belter five-day track. So okay. we'll see if those two things can be consistent yeah. if the track's undercover a lot with rain and there's meant to be rain through the test. I think it starts quite bad and gets a little bit better, but, right. I mean, I suppose we said that about Sydney as well and it was... It was fairly volatile. But, yes, cannot wait to get down there. It's going to be a great occasion for um, the Tasmanian cricket public. They've sold out the first two days. Um, there isn't as much COVID down there, so I don't suppose there'll be that hesitancy that there was at Sydney this week, which is great. And, um, yeah, really looking forward to backing in Tassie cricket this week. And I hope the people of Hobart get out there and sell it out, you know, four days. Wouldn't that be just a beautiful thing? I can't wait till the sun sets and, you know, those beautiful glamour shots we get at Adelaide. They're all replicated at Hobart. So there's a lot... It may be a rubber and all the rest but there's a fair bit about this week that's attractive and yeah let's get down there let's uh, let's talk about bangladesh mm. tiger land oh they're from tiger land Blimey. in any weather you'll see them with a the green resting head and shin uh they knocked off bangladesh in a test match you will have heard about this but we were we were watching this avidly so it had the streaming going on in in the radio box while also <laughs> doing the test that we were doing, watching the other tests. Um, everybody was very... Found this very gripping, those who are, who are interested in cricket. They've never beaten New Zealand in New Zealand in any format ever. To do it over the course of five days, I mean, to do it over the course of a full test match, it is... It's harder and harder. Like, underdog upsets, the shorter the game, the more likely, the more possible they are. And over mm. a test match, they become basically impossible because the quality of a better team will tell and the quality of a team in its home conditions will tell. But, uh, look, they went into this series. New Zealand cricket, good on them. They play Bangladesh more often than anyone. They host them uh, on a regular basis. They had Ross Taylor announcing his retirement after this series. You know, big, big emotive thing for a, a long-serving player in the game. And New Zealand, they look great. They rack up 328. In the first innings, Devin Conway makes another 100 because he's just on fire at the moment. Henry Nichols, 75. Will Young, 52. And you think that's that should be it for Bangladesh. If they're facing a team that makes 300-plus in the first innings in, in foreign conditions like that, they should fold. But the most important part of the match to that point was their whole top eight made double figures. Yeah. They all... They were all consistent. A couple of 80s, 70, a 60, a 50. And they put together... A massive innings. They've done this once before in New Zealand. They made 500 plus back in 2019, maybe it was, and they still ended up losing by a mile. Yeah, New Zealand. Shakib, Shakib made a double ton and they still lost. Yeah, exactly that. But in this case, they uh, ended up 458 all out, so they got a lead of 130 and then hammered it home. Yeah, Mominal Huck being the new leader and having taken over the, the armband from uh, Mushfika, who's been a, a superb captain of that team, especially at white ball level. They have dropped off. It, it, it's impossible to avoid the the modern history of Bangladesh cricket has been pretty grotty over the last couple of years with the exception of that mm. T20 win over Australia. Um, they've not been going well but it's that next group of players coming through. So a new captain, uh, Lytton Duss, who made runs in that uh, in that middle order. He made 100 in the second test, which we'll come to in a sec, but Eberdot Hussain, crazy story, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, man of the match, six wickets in the second dig, but effectively comes out of a reality TV show. Um, he, was playing, he was playing volleyball in the military, uh, in the Air Force, I think it was, yeah. and they did a, a nationwide talent search for fast bowlers, effectively a reality TV show, yeah. where he ends up getting fast-tracked through the first-class system, through the BPL, into test cricket. He'd played about a dozen tests before this, but this was the first time that yeah. it had really paid off. And you're right, it was that grind. The fact that they were willing to do it 
over about 130 overs, I think it was, to build a first innings lead, which ended up being the pressure they required to yep. to put uh, New Zealand under the pump the second mm. time around when, when Everdot kicked off. But so even then, so, so even the second time around, right? So the, the first innings deficit is 130. New Zealand are 136 for two. So they're into the lead and they've got eight wickets in hand. And at that point, you fully expect New Zealand will get 200 in front and that's all they'll need and they'll bowl out Bangladesh and, and that will happen. And that's when Everdot Hussain comes in. He's not quick. He's sort of right-arm mediums, really. He played 10 tests in which he'd taken 11 wickets at an average of 81 Blimey. before this spell. Okay. He got, that's Rubel Hossein numbers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he got Conway out early in that second innings. Um, so that had happened. He was on the board. And then he has this sequence where he... He starts getting the ball to reverse and he bowls Will Young, bowls Henry Nichols, Tom Blundell leg before, then the next morning bowls Ross Taylor and has Jamison caught. So at one point he's got a spell of three for none and then a bit later on he's got five for seven in that spell and he's just ripped the heart out of them. They get bowled out for 160-odd. Yep. Um, and Bangladesh chase 42 to win. And Mushfika hits the winning, winning yeah. runs. It's a beautiful yeah. thing, really. There's, like, there's so much to take from this. One bit is that the previous test match that was scheduled to play in New Zealand was in February 2019, mm-hmm. and it didn't go ahead because of the, the massacre in the mosque in Christchurch. I mean, true human tragedy, which the Bangladesh team were within moments of being caught up in themselves, mm-hmm. going to mosque themselves on, on that particular day. So, you know, that's the recent history of them being in New Zealand. Even the way that yeah, Eberdot spoke about they made a pact with each other that they were going to fight like they'd never fought before in a test match. Like they felt like they had a point to prove because they had been rubbish. Mm. You know, as recently as the T Twenty World Cup in November, they got they 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 looked as uncompetitive as they ever have in a global tournament. Yeah. Going back to '99 when they famously beat Pakistan and became a full member shortly thereafter. Yeah. But just their sixth win away from home, which actually is. Uh, which isn't as bad as what it sounds when you consider they've only played 60 test matches all time away from home. And Australia and England are part of this problem. Australia haven't hosted them since 2003, as we've talked about many, yep. many times. The most recent uh, instance of uh, where they were meant to come and didn't was 2018, when CA didn't even bother to put a press release out. Uh, and they won't play in Australia until at least 2023, when the new FTP uh, kicks in in 2024. England last hosted them in, in 2010. And I know I'm banging away and repeating myself, off. But the great thing about this was that it started that conversation again. Nick Hockley was asked about it, the, the chief executive of CA, about Australia's responsibility with Bangladesh. And to his great credit, he put his hand up and said, you're right. Like, they do need to do a better job with countries who are finding their way at test level. And he spoke about Bangladesh specifically and referred to the next FTP. Like I reckon Hockley, having had a bad start with what happened in South Africa last year, I reckon he was, and I've written this in the next edition of Wisdom Cricket Monthly. I reckon he had a bad start with South Africa. I reckon he was quite bruised by that whole thing because his personal integrity was called into question. He's a very proud man and he likes to deliver on on his commitments. Thus why he doesn't like changing the schedule. He likes to go through the domestic summer the way that it's set up. That was the case last year with India. He was headstrong. You speak to anyone at CA and they say, if not for his personal leadership, that India series would have gone to shit last year. Mm -hmm. And even though I disagree with the position of playing the first test at Brisbane and and, and through it goes, he apparently was determined to make the schedule play out the way it was announced. So with that in mind, I reckon now that he's personally going to go to Pakistan, he's committed to the Pakistan trip, he knows that Australia needs to go there, he wants them to be better global citizens, he wants the Bangladesh question to be, 
resolved in, in the medium term through the FTP. And, yeah, I, I, my respect for Hockley has grown in the last week when he's been talking mm. about this yeah, and learning that he will be there in Pakistan with us. I, I reckon, you know, credit to him for sort of realising that this way of Australian cricket, in theory supporting these lesser countries so long as they didn't have to play them, that he, he, will, he will be a corrective on, on that thinking, I reckon, over time. Okay. Well, I hope that's the case, and I hope the next FTP reflects that. I suppose getting Afghanistan uh, notionally in before it got cancelled <laughs> reflected that, but yeah. that was one of the few cancellations where it wasn't Cricket Australia just trying to save themselves some effort. They wanted to play that test because they, they had money on the line. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, the um, you know even what was floating about uh, the possibility of playing a test against Ireland, those sort of things might happen. I guess Bangladesh were hung over in the second test, or New Zealand were pissed <laughs> because they they came back hard, made five hundred and twenty one, Latham two hundred and fifty two. I think that's Kane Williamson's best as well, isn't it? The two five two. Uh, no, but the two five two, two is five on that three, is yeah. on that list of scores that's yeah. been made. All right. So when we haven't hit the holy ground of two two nine yet, yeah, but, yeah. but two five two is about the fifth lowest score yeah. yet to be made. So Kane might have been two five three, I reckon. Three, I think, yeah, yeah, but um, so Latham gets there. Was it Latham who was given out twice in and over no, to Will Young? Will Young and after Bangladesh, not unreasonably at Hagley, looking at a green top. We've been to Hagley before. I mean, yeah. I can't wait to get back to Hagley over all those pictures. Were beautiful over the three days they played but if you see a green top there yeah. you could be excused for bowling first yeah. having taken 20 wickets every, the previous week. How many times do we have to warn people? Green pitches in New Zealand don't mean anything. They're not green. No, they don't play not. green. They're, they're fraudulently green. They look green. Yeah but you can see why they did it having taken 20 wickets and try and put New Zealand under pressure again. They're, they're not but a green backfired. man but they're a green man but painted on a concrete surface. Yeah, like, yeah. Don't get sucked in. But look, it was, yeah, it was Will Young who was given out twice and had it overturned twice and then edged the one to slip that got dropped and then had the overthrows and so he got seven runs from uh, that yes, drop yes. slip. And how about Eberdot having to chase down, I keep yeah. saying his name, having to chase down the four overthrows as well. Yeah, yeah, it was himself. he who had to slide in. Uh-huh. Um, you got a feel for the guy. He but also, committed to the cause. He also uh, had overthrows that conceded a five in that inning. So he's the first bowler ever to concede a five and a seven. I uh, saw none that. Of which was his fault. Andrew Sampson dug that one out about 24 hours later, bless yep. him. There haven't been a lot of sevens. I mean, there have been six sevens in the history of Test cricket. There have been four eights. There we go. Four have, eights. Are you familiar with any of them? No, I don't think uh, so. The, the, it, how, how you do it is by running four and then having four overthrows. Right. Andrew Simons at the Gabba in 2008, and it was Ian O'Brien who was bowling at the time, uh, mm-hmm. a friend of the pod. There was... I thought that was down as one of the sevens. I thought they ran four and should have been given eight, but they were only given seven. It, it, was, it was eight. According to Crick and Fowl, it's an eight. Okay. There's an eight where... Uh, Brian Lara had his had the helmet hit behind the keeper oh, yeah. via Mark Boucher, so it was nice. three plus five. Yeah. These days, that would go down as penalty runs. Then it went to the went to, to the, the batter. Right. There was one. Uh, Patsy Hedron was involved yeah. in one at twenty eight twenty nine at Melbourne. Yeah, and there's one it's other just because the ground was so big. That they had yeah, time to run, eh? oh, and Rob Marsh was the other one who, yeah. who an errant throw from him which created uh, four overthrows. I can't remember who the batter was, but uh, I think it was a I think it was a New Zealander in nineteen eighty one. I looked it up during the week to, yeah. just to clarify. So if you're curious about these matters, there and, you go. And there's the famous nine from uh, Murum Ganaram and in, on the 1868 tour, yes. uh, where it wasn't an overthrow situation. It was just that there was a posh bloke fielding at mid-off who refused to chase the ball. <laughs> and they had an argument about whether he should chase it or not. And they, they just kept running. And so by the time he finally went and got it, they'd run nine. Have you noticed that whenever these, these, um, whenever these like unusual instances come up with sevens or eights, you always get tweeted into your feed that apocryphal tale about mm-hmm. Victoria and New South Wales and the 260. 66 off one ball yeah, when the ball yeah. gets caught up a tree. Yeah. Stop 
tweeting that. That yeah, didn't happen. Is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to keep tweeting that out there. Yeah. I know it comes up on Google, but it's been didn't debunked happen. many, many times. Didn't know. I've had to get a bow and arrow to shoot it out of the tree. <laughs> um, anyway, look, uh, Bangladesh got hammered by an innings and seven, 117 runs. Uh, so New Zealand 521 in the first. Taylor made 28. Got a guard of honour coming out to the middle. Nice, nice stuff. Yeah. Nice test cricket things. And then Bangladesh all out 126 and then all out 278 following on. Uh, five wicket haul for Bolt. In the first innings, Lytton Dust made 102 for a bit of fun in the second. Happy about that. Um, He's a player. He's a proper player, Lytton Dust. And how about Roscoe taking a wicket, his third test wicket, with his final ball in test cricket? Much to the enjoyment of the Christchurch crowd, they chuck him the ball when it's nine down and Eberdot, who had a sequence of... Ten innings of naught or naught not out. There you go. Yeah, we had that sent to us during the week. Uh, He got to four and then hit a ball that was two feet outside the off stump from around the wicket mm. straight in the air taken by Tom Latham appropriately enough after making his, his 252 uh, Latham became the first player to make a 250 and take five catches in yep. an innings I think it was or it was in a match or something like Alex that Alex Carey's shot from the first innings at Sydney yes <laughs> sorry sorry Carey fans but no, it was well you're going to get in trouble for saying that you can't criticise Alex Carey no. I, we've, we've both found that out in recent days no, no. but yes my so, favourite thing is people who accuse you of state bias I'm like I could not give less of a shit about being Victorian. Yeah, I, it I, means nothing. I cop this. I cop this in the YouTube comments the other day, saying that I'm one of the pundits who are pushing for Marcus Harris's retention because I'm Victorian. I'm like, he's from fucking Perth, um, and and, uh, and and I don't care, and I don't care, and, and, and he's not and, very good. And I've said like 50 times that Karachi is what matters, Hobart, yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, sure. If Harris plays, sure. Kawaja plays, head plays. Yeah. yeah, two of them are going to play. Frankly, George them, Bailey could open in Hobart. Yeah. It's a farewell. One of them, one of them isn't going to play. And I look, it feels as though Kawaja is going to play regardless and Harris will be will be left out but it doesn't really matter because they're playing nine tests in Asia well, that's the real quiz yeah. and Kawaja's clearly opening in all of them so yeah. like, let's not get too worried right yeah can Marcus Harris throw a kettle over a pub <laughs> so so that was Bangladesh and New Zealand India and South Africa this mm. has been good and they're, mm. uh, I think by the time this episode goes out they will have played a day of the third test match they're, they're going to start in a couple of hours after when we're recording this but um, the first two, plenty, plenty to gnaw on. Uh, a couple of pretty decent contests. Uh, India going over there. They want this. This is their, their, their complete the set. You know, they they won in Australia. They right. won asterisk in England. I mean, frankly, they won in England. I don't. Well, they're two one up, and they're going to win, and they're going to beat England by a fucking yeah. mile in the fifth test. Which but also, I don't care, like, honestly, if they win a test match twelve months later, to me, that's not the same series. Yeah, but you I wouldn't be, I'll put it that. this way: I wouldn't be too worried about India winning the last test. Yeah, uh, at this stage. Yeah. yeah, but regardless, they want to go to South Africa yes. and win there. They um, they haven't done it before, have they? Good question. They haven't won a, they've never won a series in South Africa. Yeah, they've I know South Africa have always had the wood over them yeah. over there. They they beat them there heavily. Uh, Four years ago, three yeah. years ago, when Lungi and Gidi yeah. burst onto the scene and, and bowled with Rabada and looks like they were going to just dominate. And they have for large parts they've of it. They've won a few matches, but I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm sure they've never won a oh, series. Oh, you know what it was? They, they, they beat India just before we went over there to yes. South Africa. In a, in a crazy series where India won the third test, I believe. And they had, yes. a, they had a, a wild pitch that was just out to get everybody and yes, the team's being right. out for 120 v 140 and all, all kinds of business so it wasn't quite that rugged uh, at Centurion but King Legend Rahul made a, a ton opening the batting so 1-2-3 1-2-3 easy, easy as. as ABC they've got him opening uh, with 
Maya Cargoel in uh, at the top of the order. So it's he back. made 123. They made 327. Ngidi, who you just mentioned, yep. six for 71. Pajara, golden duck in the first innings, but Rahane made 48. I see the uh, sack Pajara and Rahane train is back in full swing. Although, oh, I mean. Yeah, um, you could say that. Yeah. Uh, I'm now having tweets sent back to me that I sent like a year ago about Rahane <laughs> saying, see, I told you he's shit. Yeah. I'm like, ah, don't give a fuck, first of all. And second of all, like, he's not shit. <laughs> yeah. 48 um, in the first test and 50 in the second. Yeah. Obviously terrible. I can't play in low-scoring matches in South Africa. Um, anyway, they, they, they knocked over South Africa for 197. Mohamed Shami did the job, 5.44. And then India all out cheaply the second time around. Rabada and, and Marco Janssen, who's mm. a very exciting prospect. Saw him bowling the IPL a bit, super tall, very quick, whips it down, one of those sort of beanpole bowlers. Um, he took four wickets. Uh, and that meant South Africa had 3.04 to win and the Indian quicks shared the wickets around, bowled him out for 191. And, you know, India were away. And Coley got a couple of starts and missed out and then... Um, before the second test got a bout of shaggers back right before the yeah. start of the test match and they put in King Legend the captain mm. I think he's uh, I read somewhere that he's the first Indian since Azradin mm-hmm. to captain the test team before captaining the, the white ball team like there's been that apprenticeship using the, the white ball team to prepare their leaders but he's the first king to captain the team since the Nawab of Pataudi true uh, yes yeah. or, uh, or, or, maybe, or maybe Tiger Pataudi was yeah. technically a king as well yeah. who's to know but yeah the second test match was a, was a screamer or at least it was a screamer until the end when it kind of ended up being quite a comprehensive win for the home side but, but even when even in that last innings you know Elgar bats through for 90 Four, nine, 96, whatever, 96. Yeah. but if he'd got out anywhere within 20 runs of the end you know it could have been game on yeah it could have been and and, and part of that's due to the way that India batted in the second innings the first time around they, they got an okay start but um, lost Pajara and Rahane in consecutive deliveries to Dwan Olafir who's on, on the way back and that, mm-hmm. that was the innings from Rahane when I started copping pelters and Rahane and Pajara out in single digits Rahane the golden duck K.O. Rahul, uh, who got thrown the, the captain's armband like minutes before the toss, made an important half century to get them up to a vaguely credible score of 202. Marco Jansen, the Southpaw, um, with another four wicket bag, and uh, Rabada and Olivier, three each. Uh, Olivier's an interesting one. Uh, he came to England as a Colpack in 2019 because mm-hmm. he played that test at Centurion when uh, Chris Pereira made his oh, yeah. extraordinary fourth innings wild chase. That was his last that. test match before then. But at that point, he had like sort of 48 test wickets at 20 odd. And mm-hmm. he was seen as this massive loss because he was bowling up in the 140s and was getting a lot of wickets and mm-hmm. he's played three seasons at Yorkshire, returned to South Africa now that Colpacks aren't barred from playing so they don't exist anymore. He's bowling 120s now, isn't he? Bowling like high 120s, low 130s. It does make you ask the question, what is the, you know, what is the county championship doing to very fast bowlers if you're incentivised to become a different kind of bowler over there? But that's a kind of picking up from our conversation we had with uh, Rory Dollard um, last week on, on the weekly show. I wonder if there's some sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, like, evil world version of Jaron Lehman who's in England who's like no one's allowed to bowl over 140 now. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah kind of the reverse Darren Lehman what is it bizarro world that's what I was trying to think yeah, of. bizarro yeah. world Darren Lehman yeah yeah no but I mean he, he's still effective though he still hits the seam and gets it to rear up it's just that he doesn't bowl quick anymore but he's still effective uh, yeah. as we've seen with that three wicket haul then South Africa in reply made 229 they were 101 for two and in pretty good shape. Then Shadul Thakur into the attack, uh, gets a wicket in his 
first over, I think he found the edge of Keegan Peterson, who was on uh-huh. 62 at the time, and then he went nuts, took seven for 61, went through them, and his best figures in Test cricket. They call him, what is it, Lord Lord Thacker now, mm-hmm. don't they? I don't really know where that comes from. I don't know why they've decided he's a lord, but yep. um, you, you take his name on the internet now and it said, no, no, it's not Shardall anymore, yeah. it's Lord Thacker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but one of our faves last year, Jeff, and he started this year in fine form. Nice to see a thick boy doing well, yep. you know, on the on the international stage, having a good time, swinging it, bashing a few runs, not in this series, but, you know, in, oh, he made he made runs. He made runs here in the second innings, quite important runs too. Yeah, yeah. So made 40-odd. He's made a few a few low ones as well. But then came the second innings when Rahane and Pajara made 50, so suck it. Uh, <laughs> guess what? They can still play. Not that easy to well, do Well, the, the scrutiny went from the scrutiny went from Sak Rahane, Sak Pajara to Sak Rishabh Punt. Okay. Because he charges Rabada third ball. Mm. It's a pretty ugly dismissal. Not the first time, by the way, that Rabada's tried to charge the, opposite, yeah. the, the opposition's best bowler in the first over. He's in the middle. In fact, he does it quite a lot mm. to try and set the tone. But it didn't pay off there. Um, Rahul they were Dravid, trying to build the lead. And so at that point, it was like yeah. if, he, if he'd stuck around for a 50 partnership at that point, probably India win the test. But. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that um, I think that the way he does that is productive. I think it's, you know, if it were me, I'd be saying as Rahul Dravid said, which is that you are entitled to play that way. Just give yourself five minutes to get yourself in. It's such such a low percentage way yeah. of playing the game. Yeah, sure, sometimes you will hit Jimmy Anderson out of the ground second ball, but the probability mm. of hitting Jimmy Anderson out of the ground second ball is, is pretty low, um, using that example from earlier this year. But yeah, India get the 266. Hanama Vahari uh, making 40, not out. Uh, a year on from that extraordinary performance at the SCG when he batted for four hours with a torn hamstring. Well, this time around, it was a different kind of role, trying to make resourceful quick runs down the list after Pajara and Rahane got out quite quickly. He added 38 collectively with Siraj and Bumrah, who made about three runs between them. So he was stewarding the tail really well, got them into a position when when they were all out at 266. South Africa are chasing 243, batting fourth. You're probably saying at that stage, given they bowled the home team out for 229 in the first innings, that, that India are favourites. But mm. Dean Elgar... You know, opens up as he always does, and they got to a decent start of 93 for two at the close of play on night mm-hmm. three. Then the rain came. They got this long delay on day four, but when the sun came back out, he had great support from Temba Bavuma, who got to uh, 23 night out, quite a breezy innings after Rassi van der Dusen made 40. And in Rassi. the end, and, and, and Neil Manthorpe reckons that that Rassi had he, he had something to say to Richard Punt just before he got out. Okay, and, and Manners was uh, was speculating that he'd encourage encouraged him to play the shot that he played. He'd said, you know, ah. like, oh, what are you hanging around for? Aren't you going to... Mind you, the windows, you, Tino style. Aren't you going to impose yourself? Aren't you going to play a shot, big fella? And, uh, yeah, Neil reckons that, that there was some some extra urging there that may have contributed. Oh, good. I like the sound of that. That's all fun. Rassi. All worth it. Van der Dusen. Yeah, I see Bavuma's 23 not out. Had he made 19 not out and let um, Elgar get to 100, that would have been fitting, I think, Mm. because Elgar's um, doing a pretty good job, I reckon, as the uh, relatively new South African captain. So they've squared the series, and as you mentioned off the top, uh, they go to Newlands, to Cape Town, uh, for the finale starting on the 11th of January. So by the time you hear this, it'll be at least day two. It'll be underway, and if Pajara and Rahane both been out for low scores, we are going to get torrents of abuse. <laughs> torrents of abuse. Guess what? They can still play cricket. Don't care what you say. Suck it. Um, nerd pledge? Let's do some nerd pledge, I Let's think. Let's do some nerd pledge. Nerd pledge. Yes, look, it's a game that we play on the final word. 
We uh, we play it. It's about numbers. It's about history. It's about the game. Uh, some lovely people help fund the show by sending us financial contributions, and they do that in a way where it's not not a round number of normal bit of currency. It's a specific number, and the number relates to cricket in some way, and we have to guess what it is. But in this instance, it is a round number, but it's also a nerd pledge number. It's from Jane. And the number is three dollars, even three point zero zero. Okay, well, thank you, Jane, for sending that through. Uh, she's done so with a clue. My new nerd pledge number is, despite appearances, a nerd pledge. It's pretty basic. Three hundred. My previous pledge was two one three. Find a weird magic number. So I don't think it'll take that much work. So, Jeff, how does three hundred interact with two one three? I'm looking forward to this. Well, Adam, uh, obviously two hundred and thirteen is the magic number of the final word. It's the score of the tied uh, semi-final at Edgbaston. It's the uh, innings that Elise Perry played at the North Sydney Oval in the Ashes Test of 2017, and it is a vast host of other things. Beside, there is an episode where we went through, I think, literally every permutation of the number two hundred and thirteen, and it applies to many great things in cricket. But it was the second one of those that took my interest when I saw 300 and I saw 213 and I thought, Elise Perry, 213. Elise Perry, 300. Balls. No. No? Not quite. Not quite. But on the day, I went back and had a look, on the day that this pledge came in, it was the day that Elise Perry took her 300th wicket for ah, Australia. Very uh, good. It was during the test match against India. Yes. Uh, yes. Last, late 2021. Um... Boulder length ball slashed into the gully by Pooja Vastrauka, who's been very damaging with the bat at times, um, coming into her own as a, a seam bowling all-rounder. Yep. And Beth Mooney, not with the gloves, but in the gully, as, as she has to do for Australia, because Healy gets the gloves, took a screamer in the gully, and, and Perry got wicket 300. Um, she's She's been off with the ball the last couple of years, especially in white ball cricket, but she bowled really well in that in that test match. It was like it's like her game's been honed to the point where it's now ideal for test cricket and less ideal for white ball formats. Maybe, you know, certainly better for 50 overs than 20 at the moment. But she bowled a really good spell uh, to start that test match. She basically held the bowling together when a couple mm. of the younger players were, were struggling with nerves and, and line and all the rest of it. Um, and she did pick up that wicket number 300. So she's only one behind Catherine Brunt. Perry 300, Brunt 301, and the only one ahead of them is Julan Goswami. So what's, what's Julan on? Oh, it's like heaps, 380 or something. She's way ahead. So we could have a situation. I've got a feeling Catherine Brunt's not retiring until she's like 40. Okay. Just my sense of it, the way she's talking at the moment. Right. So we could, and, and I don't imagine Perry's retiring before. Well, well, I was going to say not for a while, but she did kind of... She did kind of say in the 2019 Ashes in England that it could be her final trip there, and that's only a year and a half away. So, no, if she won't go next year, yeah, she will, won't she? She'll go. She's not giving any real retirement oh God, vibes. I is just she? realised the Ashes in England is next year. Yeah, I know. It's next that's year. A lot. Stop playing so many Ashes. <laughs> Let us have a life. <laughs> so we have things we want to do. So the uh, so yeah, I think Perry and Brunt will both descend upon Julian Goswami. He'll keep taking wickets as yeah. well. Although I reckon she might retire at the World Cup. Yeah, I think in a couple of months. Uh, Ninety-nine percent nailed on that Matali Raj and Julian go out together. At it the World could Cup. be a little bit like, excuse the crude crossover, when Dunstall and Lockett were chasing Gordon Coventry's twelve ninety-nine, mm. and then when Lockett got there, I was devastated because Dunstall had to retire at twelve fifty-four because his body fell apart, mm. and his old rival in the following season got there. I wonder mm. whether Brunt and Perry will go all the way and pass Gordon Coventry's twelve ninety-nine as well. Who is Tony Lockett? <laughs> 
And who is Jason Dunn still in this analogy? <laughs> well, that's a good question. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm unwilling to play that game. Um, well, Lockett was the more accurate kick, and Dunstall was the less selfish. Dunstall was the more. Dunstall mm. kicked twelve fifty four and created five hundred through tackles in the forward fifty and gave off another five hundred to his mm. teammates. Lockett, by necessity, had to kick all the goals himself because yep. St Kilda were a rabble, else, so, and yeah. he had a slightly better ratio of goal kicking. So, who is the more accurate bowler out of Brunt and Perry? Probably Perry. Yeah. But then again, Brunt's had to carry the team on our back like Lockett. Yeah, yeah. So maybe Brunt is like Plugger. Dunstall had the better mullet. Dunstall uh, had the better would, mullet. Who would carry off a mullet That's better. true. That's true. I think... Uh, who would do the better advertisement at Routley's? That'd be yeah. the real question. Right. It's probably Elise Perry, given she's Australian. I already said to Mitch Scott... <laughs> who's the who, Robert Dippier Domenico of yeah. <laughs> women's test bowling? I mentioned to Mitch Scott, who's our producer on SEN, that um, we're going up to Hobart together in a couple of days. And mm-hmm. I said, what you need to realise is whenever I go to Hobart, I make Rach take photos of me in Routley's pretending to do the Jason Dunstall <laughs> commercial and uh, Mitch that's going to be you this week <laughs> Mitch in many ways you have to fill in for Rachel this week um, uh, right where are we that, that's, that's Nerd Pledge that's Nerd Pledge and because we're at the end of the uh, Nerd Pledge segment we can point at my Brick Lane mm-hmm. stubby holder yep. if you're watching on YouTube and if you're not you can just imagine that I'm enjoying a Brick Lane which I am yep. uh, the beer that's up for copious awards at the moment which we've been promoting it's called the Gab's Hottest 100 yep. uh, it is a what is, is Gab great Australian beer I suspect it I is I feel it is yes yep. uh, we've been promoting that on our social media feed it could not be easier to vote I mean, it's even easier than voting in the federal election where you need no ID, you just go up and get your name crossed off and you go fill out your ballot paper and dump it in the box. It is that easy. And here's the best bit. Brick Lane have five beers in the running and you are allocated five votes. Oh. It's just... Perfection. It could not be more straightforward. It took me about 45 seconds to get my ballot in. Please do the same. I had a beer yesterday. You don't uh, need to vote below the line. No, you you don't have to vote. You can just vote the party ticket above the line. line. Above the party ticket above the line. Uh, And uh, if you are going to vote below the line, like I do, uh, make sure that you you take a lot of time in thinking about who you hate most to get voted Mm -hmm. 74th, 73rd, 72nd, and 70th. It is really hard. It's harder to order the bottom of the ballot than it is the top. It is. It's like, am I going to put Lion Holmes crazy's last? Or am yeah. I going to put Pauline Hanson's crazies last? Yeah. Am I going or, to put or Danny Narlias? Or Danny Narlias crazies yeah. last? It's like they're all dreadful people, and yep. I want to put them all last. Mm-hmm. Me, um, there's a bit of Australian politics for you there. If you're watching on YouTube, probably don't care. Probably don't care. Um, that's fine. It's our <laughs> podcast. We're what we want to. Um, uh, where were we? Uh, yes. So Brick Lane, please turn out to vote. Do the right thing. It's your obligation, and your planet will thank you for your cooperation. Mm-hmm. And the important thing is, if you want to play Nerd Pledge, you can. You can be yes. part of this. You can be in on this. Uh, you go to Patreon.com/slash the word you make a little account you fill in a thing you choose what your number's going to be we see it we add it to the list and then not only do you get to be on the show and, and play the fun game with us you're also like a one in four or five chance of winning a slab of brick lane because uh, that's what happens that's what's going to happen for jane it is jane wins the chance to give away 24 cans uh, to whoever she wants in Australia. Anyone. Could be anyone. Could be Jane. Could be someone else. You can. Uh, it will be sent to you by Brick Lane, the opportunity to pick up the beers, and you can pick them up if you sign up for Nerd Pledge. And if you pick them up, I'm not promising this, and as a vegetarian, maybe I shouldn't be supporting this, but uh, a friend of mine uh, went to collect some Brick Lane over mm-hmm. the Christmas period. He, he played along with the, um, mm-hmm. with the offer code, mm-hmm. uh, which was great. 15% off. We'll be doing that again through the month of January once we've got the code up and running again. And they gave him, just before Christmas, they go, do you want a, do you want a few rashes of bacon as well? And they chucked it in the parcel for him. Really? They chucked it in the parcel for him. bacon just floating I don't know, around. but they did. Were they making a beer bacon beer? I don't know. 
Amazing. But the point here is, is that good people doing good things, okay. hiring local people, uh, their practices aren't butchering the environment as they make their beer. This is all butchering. There you go, the bacon. Only, the only butchering was the bacon. Uh, and yeah. if you want a green terry toweling hat with Brick Lane on the front, you can get one of them I as well. I bloody do. So, look, there are lots of reasons. Join up, play the game, Brick Lane, vote for them, etc. All right, we're going to take a breather on the final word weekly. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the women's ashes and we're going to talk about, I'm afraid to say, the novel coronavirus. I'm Glenn Maxwell. Make sure you listen to my favourite podcast, The Final Word. Woodstock Cricket Bats, they make officially the best cricket bats in the world. The Good Gear Guide in the Cricketer magazine uh, ranked them number one and number two. I'm uh, never not going to laugh at the Good Gear Guide. Good gear I'm, guide. Never, I'm never not going to laugh at the Good yeah, Gear we, Guide. We, had it, we used to have it you know, 20 years ago. It was called bluelight.org. But, um, but these days it's about... <laughs> <laughs> These days, it's about uh, it's about cricket, and it's uh, it's gone mainstream. It's it, it's in in a magazine. They do a blind test of all of the bats, so they, they all come, of the gear. They come unmarked. They put all the kit on. They work out what what feels best, what has the best middle, and they picked Woodstock's bats as number one and number two, gold and silver. You know what's a famous gold and silver double? Uh, Perkinson Kowalski. There we go, Kowalski. I thought he won the bronze, didn't he? Win no, the bronze, he wins Kowalski. the silver. Well, you probably you remember um, Brooksy's call over the top, screaming over the top. Of the Committee uh, no, 96. 92, Houseman, Perkins Houseman. So mm. it was one two there as well, consecutive okay. Olympic Games. I think 90, uh, oh no, in 2000 as well, Hackett Perkins. So they went they went one, two, three times in the event. 2000, Hackett, Hackett Perkins. Yeah. yeah. So so that's what it is. Enough it's, about the 1,500 free metres. <laughs> Look, this is important. People need to know. This is why people <laughs> listen to our ads, because they find out important other things. But these bats are the best two bats in the world for the last year. Um, and Too many bats. And so... Woodstock have decided to give away a bat because why not let someone have the chance and you uh, you can win the giveaway. It's it's going to happen with the full Woodstock experience. So this is in Cuckney in Knotts, so it's not far away from, mm-hmm. from Trent Bridge. All you need to do, it's pretty straightforward. There'll be a link in the show notes with a post on Instagram from Woodstock, which reflects on the great success that Woodstock had in, in 2021. It being the new year, uh, we are celebrating uh, the achievements, the one and two that Jeff mentioned before, the Quinella, the Perkins Houseman, mm-hmm. the Perkins Kowalski, the Hackett Perkins, mm-hmm. if you like. All you need to do is grab the post and share it in your story on Instagram or on Twitter or on all the other whatever. platforms, whatever, whatever. But the story is sufficient. Tag three mates, like the post, share the post to your story, and follow the Instagram page for Woodstock Cricket. If you do all of those things, you will enter the draw. It'll be pulled out of a hat on the 21st of January, and they'll give you the full experience up at Cuckney, mm-hmm. and you'll walk away with, uh, with with a brand spanking new mm-hmm. piece of Woodstock kit. And, and if you're it, in the UK, what a time for it, by the way. It, this is the time of the year you want a new bat before you do winter nets. I've seen all the posts of people who are in the nets at the Oval, the scariest nets in the world where everyone's Joel Garner. I've seen the, the posts of people at the Lord's Nets where you've got to wear the whites to net. I'm seeing it. They're mm. in my feed. Mm. People are winter netting right now. Right. Imagine winter netting bringing in a big bastard Woodstock bat. I'm just That's smoking it out of, out of winter nets. Exactly. Um, it's, it's fitting that the Jimi Hendrix experience played at Woodstock. Now you can have the Woodstock experience 
in Nottingham. Uh, <laughs> so what that means is it's boutique. You go up there, they take you in, they look at you, they talk to you, they measure you up, they chat about what kinds of cricket you play, how you play, and then they work out what bat you should use. And you try out all the different bats <laughs> and you work out what's going to work for you and it is it is customised and it's beautiful. It's like getting a wedding dress, but it's a cricket bat. Right. Probably should move on because I'm laughing like a 14-year-old <laughs> when one gets measured up. Yeah. Uh, Woodstock Cricket, they make great bats. And also, if you want the discount, it's TFW20. Get 20% off. Get 20% off. Couldn't be easier. That's 20% of the way to winning one. Back to the show. Hi, my name's Kate Cross, and you're listening to The Final Word with Adam and Jeff. Final Word, Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon. Women's Ash is starting a week early, and there's a lot going on here, Jeff. There was an announcement last week. The one-dayers are going to be uh, in Melbourne after the Test match, and the way they've reoriented it is the T20s are starting in Adelaide, the day after the Hobart Test match finishes with the men. Mm. Then you're off to Canberra. Then you're staying in Canberra. Then you're going to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. But the point here is they're doing it seven days earlier in order to give themselves a, a better chance of not catching Omicron, basically, and getting on that flight to New Zealand. They didn't want to have a situation where they were still playing cricket close to their flight to the World Cup. Yep. They've got these slots in, uh, in the equivalent of Hotel Q in New Zealand. And if they lose them, that's it. That's it. There's no more slots. There's no substitute players. Wow. There's no, you know, there's no other way of doing it because you're they allocated. In Sydney, heaps of slots. Well, yeah, well, yeah. There's lot. Yes, indeed. There, there, there's no way of. So, I mean, there's quite a bit going on here because just to play this out, everyone's got Omicron right now, mm. and if everyone's still getting Omicron in deep February when they're going to New Zealand, and I'm not just talking about from Australia either, but around the, the eight teams that are playing in this competition in New Zealand, they could have big tr- big trouble. I mean, we saw with PNG, I think it was, missing the qualifier mm. a couple of months ago because they had COVID issues and couldn't get into the country and, and all the rest of it. So so the women's ashes has been changed because of it. Sean right. Flegler, who's the... Is this uh, basically just so that everyone can bubble and just... Well, they're already bubbling. I mean, of, I mean, England but, are in Australia, but they may as well be yeah, in Mozambique I mean, in terms of like they're just in hotels. But, but they won't have to be travelling. There won't be so much possible crossover risk. Uh, and all the right? Rest of it. Yeah, they, sure. They, they can sit still and quiet at home and avoid everybody, and then travel that's to it. New Zealand. So what they want to do is they want to get the ashes almost not out of the way, but dealt with, so then they can go into full lockdown and have almost no chance of getting COVID before they jump on that flight to New Zealand. I mean, they've they've already, as I understand it, the England team, and it's a big travelling group because the A-team are out here as well. They've already done, like, they've effectively a home lockdown without their loved ones, many of them, for the Christmas New Year period. Mm. In order to... In order to get get on the flight to Australia. So we spent a lot of time before the men's ashes discussing the the different hurdles that had to be cleared to get them out here and the 14 days of Hotel Q and and so on and so forth and how that might have affected their performance. Well, the England women are getting a couple of days of training, a couple of warm-up T20s, and they're into it. So this isn't isn't great. I mean, I appreciate that it's a function of the, the times and women's cricket was badly affected by coronavirus the first time around. It feels like they've just copped it in the neck again because this happens to be that the next global tournament is in a country that will show no mercy when it comes to getting in Mm. and is so precise about these slots you get to go into um, the equivalent of the hotel quarantine. It would would have probably been easier to play the World Cup in New Zealand at its original time than it it is getting in now. I do wonder... I mean, without sort of overplaying this. One of the major fuck-ups of the ICC over this whole thing was just, oh, we'll just postpone it because it's not fair on the lack of preparation. No one's had any preparation since. None of the countries, aside from the couple of rich countries, have been able to play. Well, it just wasn't true, was it? They weren't doing it because 
it was just too hard to pull it off. Yeah. I mean, administratively, it was just too challenging. And I suppose the difference 12 months ago was that they had no vaccination. The players will be heavily vaccinated, and that's a great thing. They're unlikely to get ill. They're professional athletes and, yeah. and so on. But I, I sort of do wonder whether they might be forced to move this competition. Yeah. They're not going to have any freedom in New Zealand when they get there anyway. You know, I, I, I think that... They're supposed to be moving around New Zealand, playing in all these different places, and every team yeah. is playing in different places every day. You certainly wonder whether they might just rip up the schedule and say, "All right, well, you're going to play all of your games in Christchurch and you know, or Dubai." Yeah, to be honest, yeah. At least they can control the situation. I mean, I don't. I'm not advocating. I'm not saying that they need to pull the ripcord yet, but I hope someone somewhere is thinking about this. That's not far off. The players being put into bubble after bubble after bubble yeah. is going to create. And, and as I say, the biggest hurdle, the biggest problem will be what about when? And it's not if, it's when a team has a COVID outbreak when they're scheduled to arrive in in New Zealand and they can't get in. Yeah. What well, are they going to play the World Cup with seven teams? Yeah. I mean, okay, then what if it's... Bring Australia? back young New Zealand, like what they if, did yeah, in, like, yeah. in the 70, 72 World what, Cup. What if it's Australia? You know, what if what if the Australian team have an outbreak and they lose Elise Perry, Elisa Healy and Meg Lanning on the cusp of the tournament? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that will happen, but you can't rule it out happening. The highest profile players, they've had to wait five years for this competition. Just putting that out there, mm. that this isn't great. And, and it's not on the radar because we've been talking men's ashes and thus, yes. you know, this is kind of coming later in the summer. And I suppose the Omicron thing, you know, people are quite rightly focused on getting, you know, well, these tests as, at the yeah. moment. They're not focused on global sport. They're worried about the, the health of their family and, and making changed, sure that... Like the, the variants changed the conversation since even, say, two weeks before the men's ashes started. We were all about... Oh, everything's on track to be better now. It'll all be chill. The state borders will open. Everything's yep. going to be fine. Yep. And it's really been in the last month that that has changed dramatically. And now we're doing 60,000 cases a day in Melbourne. Yeah, that, that's right. So anyway, watch this space on, on that one. Speaking of uh, the aforementioned novel coronavirus, it's caused it's not quite, so novel anymore, quite is it? the scandal. It's pretty fucking familiar coronavirus. <laughs> quite the scandal now. in the Big Bash um, where they're trying to squeeze in, is it 11 games in six days or something like that? <laughs> I don't think it's getting the sort of attention that they would like. It's, you know, People are paying attention to the COVID outbreaks and yeah. the Melbourne Stars having to play a very weakened team. They finally let them start delaying some games, but while they were playing... Brisbane were missing games because they had COVID in their camp. Yeah. Perth have got it in their camp. They've been everyone's got it. Well, they've been moving the they've moved the teams around to try and control the situation. But it probably means it's that the, we're in a situation. Stars press release where they were like ten players have COVID, and the only one who didn't was Glenn Maxwell. And Glenn got and it like two days, days later. Three days later, they're like yeah. Glenn Maxwell has COVID. Yeah, like, oh, I, I do wonder though. I mean, it might it be the BBL? The st- yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose you just got to suck it up, don't you? It's a, the 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 team that has the most fit players will probably have the yeah. best chance of winning when they get to the final four, final five. If, yeah, it's, it's like, I know I've referenced this before, but that um, the live album from the poet Derek Brown that I yeah. that yep. I gave to you, but, you know, where he goes, 40 shows in two nights. <laughs> That's the big bash now. Um, <laughs> it's, it, can I suggest, it doesn't matter, the competition integrity of the big bash, it doesn't matter. No. Who cares? No. It's a sideshow. It's not... I know we're not supposed to say this. I know everything's... T20 is very serious business and all the rest of it. But the entire point of the Big Bash is that it is played, not what happens. What happens is secondary to the fact that it happens. Yeah, you know what? Whilst I I definitely see your perspective, I wonder the extent to which 
the fact that it's now seen as not as good as it used to be is, 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 well, I mean, I, the truth is I actually don't even know because I'm not as engaged with it as I would have been five years ago. I have no reference point to go yeah. on from week to week. 5,000 people were at the G yesterday. Now, we both know what 5,000 at the G looks like. It looks like zero. It looks like zero. So that's not great. But also, why would people go to the G when there's 50,000 COVID cases a week? Yeah, oh, you know, totally. I mean, I'm not, uh, yeah, obviously COVID in. You know, influences that number, but and I'm sure we'll get um, responses yeah. from the usual suspects saying that a billion people are watching it on TV, sure. and maybe they are, but I suspect they're not. Mm. My gut is that it's nowhere near as yeah. part of the national sporting conversation as it was a few yeah. years ago. In or fact, I go as far to say maybe they have it on, but they don't care. Because maybe a few, a few years ago it was like, oh, isn't this wild? Club cricketer Craig Simmons is opening and yeah. made a hundred, and now it's like everyone's a club cricketer. Yeah, it's fun. That's yeah, fun. I I'll, suppose you know, so. I'll watch people play club cricket. I'm not proud. I've pulled over to watch suburban cricket because I was like, oh, there's a game on. Might sit here for half an hour and watch it. You know? I mean, I'm not, not, I'm not too proud um, to do that, but it, it is not a wonderfully high standard. And But like I say, I come back to the point of who cares? Who cares what the standard is as long as they get it played this year? Yeah, as long as they get the, the content away, as they would say. Um, the Perth Scorchers, for what it's worth, are leading the comp. In fact, I put this together this morning. Maybe there's been a game played since. In all probability, there has. But the Scorchers were leading the comp from the Thunder, the Sixers, the Hurricanes, the Heat, the Renegades, the Stars and the Strikers. So we'll keep half an eye on that uh, over the next week and hopefully uh, yeah. the COVID situation subsides a little bit. I think per- um, Perth haven't played at home for weeks. They've, oh, been, right. they've been I think Mitch Marsh else. is doing really well. Yeah. I sense that. I feel like Mitch Marsh has had a, you sense a big tournament. in the Marsh force. <laughs> I just feel like Marsh has done good because people have been talking about so no Mitch. has been mean to him. Well, no, I think the other way, people are saying really nice things about Mitch. So yeah. I think Mitch will play in Pakistan, by the way, Smokey. Okay. Um, because they'll, if, if they're going to use green, so I think more. there's a possibility green might open the bowling. Okay. And then they'll have want open for another. Yeah. So two spin. Well, three so this is probably more about Sri Lanka, actually. I think Green might happen the bowling in Sri Lanka, which will give them the, the ability to play an extra spinner. To play three spinners. And then use Marsh as the third seamer if required. God, who even gets a game if they play three well, spinners? Well, Maxwell in Sri Lanka. But then so he, how you would do it he is, wouldn't be a spinner because he'd be... No, but, this is, it's, you, but you have the flex to have, like, in that scenario, yeah. you, could have a, you could have a situation That's where your wicket keeper's batting eight. You'll, you'll, you, can, you can bat super deep, is what I'm trying to say, because right. they've had a problem... You could have a, uh, and I'm doing this on the fly a little bit, but it could be Cummins plus Green as your quicks, mm-hmm. Lyon plus Swepson as your bowlers. So three specialist bowlers batting 9, 10, 11. Right. And you could have your wicketkeeper at eight, Green at seven, Maxwell at six, right. Mitch Marsh at five, or some version okay. of that. Yeah. It'll be fucking fun if they did something like that. It'd be hilarious. I mean, especially in, in Sri Lanka. I can't wait to get over there. Yeah. I can't wait to get to Pakistan. Yeah. In fact, I better go and better press stop on the podcast to Remember, book my flights. But I think, will they do it like the way they picked Moses Enriquez as an all-rounder in Sri Lanka and then Steve Smith just didn't bowl him? They bowled something like 196 yeah. overs before he got it. Well, they might, they might, the need, to, the they might need to use these guys, though. I suppose it depends on, on how Cummins sets it up. They might go the other way and say that Stark was outstanding in Sri Lanka five years ago or six years ago, and they want the reverse swing, and the he reverse was. swing element was a big that part was, of why Australia won in India in 2004. That was an era when Australia were reverse swinging the ball, though, in 2016. True. I haven't seen a lot of that recently. True, mm. true, true. Uh, Mm. Um, Just throwing that one out there. Yeah, Deirdre Chambers, what a coincidence. <laughs> um, this has been the final word. Uh, I'm Adam Collins. He's Jeff Lemon. If you like what we do, you can support us at patreon.com forward slash the final word. If you like 
our chats about the Ashes, they'll continue at Hobart, where we will be. We will be going from Sydney to Hobart, albeit via Melbourne, yes. um, for the final test. We will You're then... Considering all the COVID tests we'll, we'll do between now and then, it's the Sydney to Hobart snot race. Yes, that's very good. Maybe we can do that. Maybe we can do the Melbourne to Devonport <laughs> on the way. We can get the... Um, get the we could have got the... Um, the, the spirit. spirit, yeah. Oh, why didn't we get the spirit? Yeah. Oh, because you don't want to watch me throw up for twenty four hours. Ah, oh, the spirit would have been great. The Melbourne to Devonport, Not good our own boats. version of the Melbourne to Devonport. Others doing the Sydney to Hobart. We'll do the short one. Thanks. Mm. We love working with Brick Lane uh, for they are great people. BrickLaneBrewing.com. You can support them. Please support them in the ballot they are contesting at the moment for the hottest one hundred. Woodstock cricket, as we said in the middle of the show. If you share the post and you share it with three mates and you add it to your story and you like it and you follow them on Instagram, you can win yourself a bat. It couldn't be easier than that. If you're in the UK, I strongly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a supporter of ours on Patreon already, we love you and we cherish you. If you watch what we do on YouTube, as, you can... As, as Jonah Hill said to uh, Channing Tatum in the reboot of 21 Jump Street, I fucking cherish you, man. <laughs> Well, I cherish all of you who are watching as well on YouTube. If you don't follow us there, you can see Jeff, as I said off the top, wearing a, a blue singlet and a pair of swimming trunks and yep. me dressed the way I'm always summer, dressed. Summer, baby. Uh, sitting in his backyard. Apologies to everyone in the Northern Hemisphere, but it's summer. Yes. Baby. My, my baby is back in nursery Aww. today. She was uh, she cried her eyes out we when she was dropped at, dropped at the door at nursery today, Rach told me. So they're the back in. The she hasn't had a constant attention Constant from attention from, from yeah. family. But anyway, it's the way it goes. Uh, and we will also be making story time this weekend, although I have no bloody idea when we're going to do it. You know what? We're probably not doing story time this weekend. Let's be honest. We'll find out. We'll find out. It may be story time will drop on Saturday. Maybe we'll be too bloody busy to do it. Either way, once I get back to England, we'll be doing um, the weekly back show. In the regs. And story time regularly. We'll four hundred revisits that we haven't done. Exactly, the last we'll be back weeks. in the in the in the groove. And if you stay with us on Patreon, you can also chat in Discord. And people tend to like doing that. Okay, that's it. It's been the final word. Uh, let's do it all again sometime. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Final Word Cricket Podcast. All of Adam and Jeff's previous episodes are available at finalwordcricket.com, including Storytime 20. That's 40 story times ago. 40. Almost a year's worth of nerd pledge. Why Storytime 20? Because it features comedian Will Anderson. It's a great chat. I think you're going to love it. Finalwordcricket.com for all things Final Word. And thanks once again to our friends at Brick Lane Brewing. Shop online at bricklanebrewing.com. Thanks for listening. More from Adam and Jeff real soon.